it's that that one life, one chance, the, you know, that cliche thing. But you need to act like that, whether you believe in another life or not. Believe that this is your one chance here to do something, you know, and take it for what it is. Your life's right in front of you. Your moments are right in front of you. Your choices are right in front of you. What what frustrates me the most is when people say, well, I'll know when the time is right. Uh, I'm waiting for the right moment. Okay, well, you just keep waiting. Mm-hmm. That's that's keep. with the uh, wrestling. Nobody's going to come and ask you to come on the show, or nobody's going to beg you, you know what I mean, if you're not putting in the work. I need to come to you. I need to let you know I'm out here. I need to get my name out there. You know, I need to spread positivity. I need to show highlight reels. I need to do the. There's, you know, a lot of aspects of wrestling that you can provide in your own life. You need to let people know that you're out there. If you want the job, tell your boss. Show up. Show up early. Pay your dues. Stay longer. And for people who have succeeded, most people would say, well, you were lucky. You were lucky. There's no such thing as luck, John. Yeah. You prepare yourself to succeed. Ben Franklin said, uh, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. That's that's very true with uh, with my life. The harder I've worked, the more opportunities this last couple years. However, it's difficult to when you're at rest to get moving. It's difficult. I'm not saying this thing, you know, these words are easy to come out of our mouths. Mm -hmm. However, how does that happen? How do you you get somebody to get off of dead center? You know, one of Newton's uh, laws of physics was a body at rest tends to stay at rest. And that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, I was like that for years. So I, I understand the feeling of not wanting to do anything. And now I can see how people, oh, it's easy for you to say. It's easy now, but it wasn't when I was in your shoes, right. when I didn't have anybody talking to me, when right. I didn't have anybody pushing me along. You just got to wait for the switch to flip. And that's a lot of people because you, I feel like it's easy for somebody to tell you to do it, but it's another thing to actually do it. Is there discomfort in change? Yes. Unfortunately, we live in a society today, John, where we're taught that we shouldn't experience any discomfort at all. None, zero. If you're feeling bad or if you're, there's some discomfort in your life, well, then you need to change it or you need to take a pill or you need to have something done. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is expect some discomfort. It's a whole lot easier to maintain a weight than to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot easier to stay in shape than get in shape. It's a whole lot easier to stay sober than get sober. Yeah. Okay. So we could just accept the fact that, yeah, there's going to be discomfort here. And I loved what you talked about in an interview, ask for help. Mm-hmm. There's always helpers. We can't do this alone. So could you talk to us a little bit about some of the some of the times you reached out for help and some of the folks that helped you? Uh, well, I've done the counseling and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, gone sit in a chair and I would try and get advice. I mean, that didn't do anything for me for uh-huh. the most part. I found that it didn't work. It okay. was more like, but that's the hard thing because there's a lot of people that don't understand your situation. And I get when people say that you kind of feel helpless. Nobody understands what I'm going through right now. No one could. Yeah. I don't know your exact situation. I don't know how your mother treats you. You can describe it to me, but I don't truly know how it feels. You know, when I was depressed, it was the worst time of my life and I couldn't describe it to people. But, I could talk to that guy on the street right there and he may have a three times worse story if he told me it, you know what I mean? Mm. It'd break me down. Does that mean our Mm. feelings are different? You know, was my level of sadness where his was based on events? You can't determine that. However, you both had that level of sadness. Yeah. So you have some commonality. Yeah. So as far as reaching out to people, a lot of mine was 
a lot of it was like the overthinking the the rodent thing that I said. I just thought to myself, like I'm getting sick and tired of being sick and tired, and that was what I said to myself a lot of the time. And I, I'm trying to think of when the switch just flipped, and it's just well, there's it just like as if in a twelve step world. People get a moment or moments of clarity, and it's whether you act on that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I took months. Like I said, that first year at the jail, I was miserable, and I would just go through the same cycle. But I think that eventually just beat me down to the point where I wouldn't say it was my rock bottom. You know what I mean? It was my emotionally, I've had enough, and I need to change. That was all the talk I needed, you know? Well, in the 12-step world, John, we talk about beating into a sense of reasonableness. Not necessarily a physical beating, Mm -hmm. but you sit back and you say, I have had enough. Yeah, why am I doing this to myself? Okay, and that is a great way. I love the way you talk. Why am I doing this to myself? Mm -hmm. Everyone has a myself. The myself I generally call the dysregulated thinker. The I is your authentic self. And you're saying to this, sometimes this authentic, this unruly, dysregulated mind is like an unruly child, okay? Emotional, reactive. I'm I'm stuck here in this prison every day. Uh, But the I self says, hey, fuck up. Yeah. What choices can you make? Yeah. And sometimes we need that. We need that I self, that authentic self, to talk to this dysregulated, unruly child. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, however you got to do it. I mean, there's there's times I've been through every spectrum of emotion. Angry, mad, resentful, can't stand people. I could shake your hand in one moment and go, I can't stand you. Like, I cannot stand how, how many opportunities you're getting and how good you're doing. And that, like, I won't talk ill of you, but I'll think it in my head. Oh, man, I'm so freaking jealous of you right now. But whatever you need to do, like, there's been points where I'm like, I'm the baddest man in this room right now. When I was in the weight room, I'm the baddest dude. I'm the hardest worker, you know, when I go train or when I'm at a show, I'm the best one on the show. I may not be, but I'll tell myself and I'll convince myself. And I think that's what you got to do on a lot of things. I'm depressed. No, like I'm angry. I'm going to do something about it. So as far as evolving, like you don't need people in the end. People are there and I'll help you and I'll give you all the advice you want because I understand that's a tool. But in the end, it's going to be you. Because you can hear me all day. You're the one. You're the ones that makes the decisions. Yeah, it's great to have people who support those decisions. Yeah, and that's the worst thing because when you're, when you're like chasing a dream, like wrestling, and I'm going to dress up in spandex and roll around and do this and travel for no money. It sounds so unreasonable because it is unreasonable. You know, it's pretty crazy that you're going to go out and hurt yourself and, you know, make all these sacrifices. But you. You can only convince yourself to do things, you know, in the end. Merely because someone else thinks it's silly, does that make it silly? Exactly. That's perspective. It's it's your perspective on things. Are we more interested in others' perceptions of us, or are we more interested in our perception of ourself? Perception of ourself. And that's something that takes a while to develop. Mm-hmm. Self-concept. And this is, this is when we talk about the I am statements, okay? I am... I am this. And I start off with people. I say, well, let's start off with some indisputable facts, okay, that can't be disputed. I am male. I am X number tall. I have brown eyes. I have dark hair. I am a son. Things that are indisputable. And then you build from indisputable facts, okay? And then one of the one of the things we do for self-validation is sometimes 
particularly with young ladies. Uh, young ladies begin to lose their self-concept and self-esteem around the age of nine, and that's sad. Uh, however, what I ask them to do, and I ask young men to do this too, is to put, make a profile of themselves, not to put on a dating site, but not what they have to offer. What are the requirements it takes to be with them? Mm-hmm. What, are the, what is the requirements it takes to be with you? That starts to shape and clarify their values, their choices, and the, and their identity. Mm-hmm. So that's that's important. Yeah. What's, what does it take to be with you? Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people lower their standards to try and, you know, I can't find anybody on this and that. You're just not, you're trying to rush this. You're trying to rush the process. You got years. Figure it out. Find somebody that you connect with. Um, like relationship-wise, I deal with a lot of women that tell me they're insecure. And, you know, I... I I'm not feeling loved and this and it it's everywhere. But what it comes down to is you decide what you're going to deal with. You decide what you're going to put up with, you know, quit trying to save everybody. I think that's, I think that's the nature of humans too. We try and pick each other up and you can't save everyone. You can help them. You can lead them to water, but I cannot make you drink that water. This is up to you. Well, in the recovery world, John, and I keep referring back to that because I know it so well, relationships are not like geometry. Two halves don't make a whole. Mm-hmm. If you're looking some, for some, when somebody says, I'm looking for someone to fulfill me, I'll say, how about fulfilling yourself first? How about making yourself a whole person, person first? Yeah. yeah, that's excellent. If you're, you know, look for someone not to fulfill you, but to compliment you, not to tell you that you're handsome or pretty or witty or intelligent, to compliment your life. It's like uh, synchronicity. One plus one equals three. Okay, not 0.5 plus 0.5 equals one. Mm -hmm. So looking for somebody who is a partner rather than someone to fulfill you or someone that you can fix. There's so many relationships where either males or females are together. Look for somebody that they can fix. Yeah. You wonder why, huh? Well, some of the idea about that, John, is that uh, I'm not not picking on females, please. Uh, The idea is why do people get in relationships, the same type of relationships over and over again? Uh, Quite often, when they were younger, they lived with an alcoholic father or they lived in a dysfunctional home. Uh, They felt that they, subconsciously, they felt that they had no choices there. And they really didn't. So subconsciously, they look for situations that they can fix to make themselves feel better. And this is therapy mumbo jumbo, uh, the inner child in them that still wants to solve something that wants to be whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you think you don't deserve something. I can never have somebody like that. Why not? What, like, why not? Mm-hmm. What's stopping you just because mm-hmm. you said it? Well, you know, if you say it, then that becomes reality too. You how many people that do you know that sabotage relationships either subconsciously or intentionally? Mm-hmm. because they know that it's going to end. They know that they know in their mind that this person is going to leave them. No. So I'm going to end it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat first because they're going to do it to me. Like mm-hmm. weird stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or I'm just going to give up. Uh, I, I had a, I won't say their name, but I had sure. a friend got in a fight with his wife, left the wedding ring on the table. Why would you do that? You're not getting divorced. Or, no. Well, then why'd you do that? Like, why are you doing that? Are you trying to like, you're just taking jabs at each other. You're trying to hurt this. You're trying to break it down. Why would you do something like that? 
you know, you don't truly feel that way, mm-hmm. but people do stuff. It's instinctive. It's reactive. And and there we get into reactive. We get into that emotional mind. And what we try to do is help people develop that pause before reaction. Mm-hmm. And if people would develop that pause, how many people say, oh, I, they blow up or they say something and then come back later and say, well, you know, I didn't mean that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just playing around or, you know, like I was in the moment. Words mean something. Yeah. People can forgive, John. They don't forget. Yeah. And 90% of cognitive behavioral therapy is about changing the language in the way you speak to yourself. And it sounds like you made that switch. That's the biggest thing I ever did was the talk that I gave myself. I'm not thinking about this anymore. Instead of wondering why I didn't put in the work six years ago, I'm wondering what I'm going to do tomorrow. You know? Uh Man, I wasted opportunities. Why didn't I just get in shape when I started? Well, it doesn't matter. That's done and over with. What matters is what are we doing tomorrow? You know, what are we going to change? Uh, I'm sick and tired of being at the jail. Well, that's cool. What are you going to do? How many jobs did you apply for this week? Mm-hmm. You know, I try and tell people that all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm miserable where I'm at. Well, what'd you do today? You know, I can't find a job. Nobody's hiring. How many businesses did you go to? You know, I deal with people like that. And when you throw that question at people, it kind of throws them off. Because people aren't used to being challenged, I think, anymore. People just accept that that's how they are. And, and I try and be that person to people. I'll, I'll challenge you if Absolutely. you want it. I'll ask you. Absolutely. You can ask the hard questions, but you're going to have to answer them. You know, I give can't me, answer for you. Give me a reason you can't do that. Yeah. I, I can't. I had another guy. I can't go to work. My car broke down. There's no way. I'm going to lose my job. I said, like, you can't get to work. No, I can't. How many people did you call? Well, no one. Did you ask me to give you a ride? No. Did you look for an Uber? Did you look for anything? Well, no. Then don't tell me you've done everything you can and there is no option possible. You know, I think people just decide and that's it. I'm never going to lose weight. So they never go on So they view that as a certainty. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I can't overcome this. Well, then you're stuck. Like once you say it, then that's where you are. For as long as you say it. When you convince yourself and you continue to reinforce that thought. Yeah. All the positivity videos in the world, all the road and oh, in the world are oh not going to change my. you. No. They won't change you. No. It, it's up to you. They'll help. You know, they'll get you motivated for a few minutes, but you're going to have to do it in the long haul. I so won't be there. You mentioned earlier that uh, you can't lead a horse to You can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. However, what I'm hearing with your podcast, and I'm going to really, I'm going to, I'm going to become a believer. I'm going to start to listen to yours. Is that you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. However, you can make them thirsty. So I'm kind of hearing from you is that what you're doing on your podcast is making people thirsty. I try and portray the image. I'm passionate about being passionate. And if, if that helps other people, that honestly motivates me more. All the, you know, I don't know if it's ego driven, but all the likes, all the comments, all that you're helping me, people have no idea how far that goes. And that's kept me going as long as I have. Absolutely. Because if I'm talking like that, I'm doing all this hard work and you're not getting acknowledged for it, then, you know. That's positive reinforcement and validation for yeah, you. We're social creatures. You know, you're going to want to know that people are looking up to you and it's, it's the best feeling in the world. There's a big difference between arrogance and confidence, John. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think that holds people back is one of the quotes on your Instagram that says, your new life is going to cost you your old one. I think that's a lot of fear for people. Mm-hmm. So say more about that. Your new life is going to cost you your old one. It's just the, like you said, you get caught in the comfort zone. You can't picture a life without what you have. 
I was with somebody for nine years. I can't leave. I would, I would never leave. You know what I mean? Because that's all you know. A quarter of my life or a third of my life was with one person. How could I ever leave? Now I look back and it's like, you know, it wasn't bad. But you could sit there and think, why didn't I do it sooner? Why didn't I stand up for myself? Why didn't I do this? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I lose the weight sooner? Why, why, why? Yeah, you can play the why game. But um, like I said, you got to sacrifice today for tomorrow in some cases. You know, live in the moment, but you got to sacrifice some things and your future self will thank you. That's why I try and tell people, you know, me in three months is going to be thankful that I did this extra set of push-ups. Me in three months is going to be happy that I messaged Sorg and asked to do or Mike and asked to do an extra inter- an interview with him. You know what I mean? I'll feel better about it. Well, quite often this is an exercise and perhaps you could incorporate this into some of your stuff too. Uh, I do a little guided imagery with some folks sometime and I'll say, imagine that you're walking along a pristine white sand beach and you're all by yourself. There's no one there. And you're in your bare feet and you're walking along near the ocean. Uh, You feel the sand coming between your toes. It's nice and warm and there's some water lapping. The waves are lapping over your feet. You feel the warm breeze wafting across your cheek. To your right, you see a pot of dolphins playing and it's just an absolutely beautiful day. And in front of you, in a head in the distance, you see a figure. And as that figure becomes closer, you begin to realize that that's your future self. So you two come close and your future self comes up to you and embraces you and hugs you and whispers in your ear and says, I love you. Thank you for making me the person that I am today. And you turn around and hold hands and walk down the beach in silence as only two close friends can. Quite often, uh, John, what I'll ask people to do is write a thank you note from their future self to their present self, thanking them for the action and effort that they're putting in their life and identifying it to make them the person that they are in the future. And I'll have them write that note. I'll put it in an envelope and maybe three or four months later, I'll mail it to them. Mm -hmm. So do you think that your future self, what do you think your future self would say to you? What do you think your future self would, uh, what do you think, what what would be in that note, John? Uh, I think a lot of it's going to be, if I never make it, which, you know, WWE TV and stuff like that. I'll look back on those messages. I'll look back on the people that lives I have changed that have told me that. And that's going to be the comfort I have in this is that you don't need the fame, the glory, the lights, the women, it, all that doesn't matter. It's insignificant. What your mark you're leaving on people is the most important thing. You know, you don't, you don't really see it right now, but when I look back on my past, wow, I've come a long way. When I look back, you know, maybe five years from now, when I look back on those old messages, man, I changed somebody's life. Like, you know, it's hard to fathom right now in the moment. You're just like, okay, thanks. I'm not that great. And I appreciate it. But I believe that five years from now, we're gonna, I'm going to think back to moments like this, that I stepped out and I did an interview and I did this. And I was messaging these people and I've had fans get tattoos. You know, I've had a fan get a tattoo of one of my sayings that I used. Yeah. It's like, it's like, wow. You know, like I'm just some kid from middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. You know, but I affected somebody's life that deep. Well, and you can be offended with this if you choose, but 
whether you make it in the wrestling business to mm -hmm. me is inconsequential. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the person that's you sitting in front of me today, the person who's developed integrity and respect for himself, the person who has developed the ability to make wise mind conscious choices, the person who's developed that self-concept, the person who's developed that self-esteem, that treats people with courtesy and respect. That's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's, I, that's the guy that's sitting in front of me. That's John Roden. Yeah. And if I never make it like pro wrestling still saved my life in a sense, you know what I mean? My drive to actually do something different and to be someone and whether I am someone in the mainstream of things mm -hmm. like, no, I became someone, you know what I mean? I found, I developed into the man I was because of this, yes. you know, and it was, it was having that passion and having that dream and just chasing after it, just the process of going after it these last few years. And you're going to be this guy, whether you're at the main event in Raw or whether you're in Paris or whether you're a gondolier in Venice or whether you're in Arkansas picking turnips, you're going to be the same guy. You're going to be the guy that's sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to be that person no matter where you go. That's I mean, that's the goal. I try and try and be the hero to my own story, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not, a, I'm not easily impressed. However, I am impressed with you, John. <laughs> I am, and that's the truth. Can you take a compliment? I, I, I have the hardest time taking compliments, but I, I do appreciate it. Can you it. take a compliment, John? I'll take it. Can you say thank you? Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Jim. I'm not a sir. Usually, <laughs> usually when I heard sir, it was stir step out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, hey, great, John. You're delightful, man. I hope uh, maybe in the future, perhaps we can get together again. Anytime. I'd uh, I'd love to do that. And as always, uh, with our friend John, I hope you take uh, something from his message and incorporate it into your life. And as always, we give a uh, free prescription at the end of every podcast: fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we ask that you fish without bait a lifetime without definitive expectations. Forgive yourself, forgive another. Do a kindness for yourself, do a kindness for another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste, my friends. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.